Amen. I'm excited for what today means. Today is Baptism Sunday, and uh, I'm excited for those that have decided to take the next step in, in their journey with Christ and to be baptized today. We're going to get into that a little bit later, and uh, I'm so excited for, for these three people that are choosing to do that today. Uh, you're going to hear their testimonies. You're going to hear their stories of new life, and uh, it's exciting. It's an exciting day as the body of Christ can come together and celebrate together. Amen? And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. Get your outlines ready. Your outlines will come a little bit later. I want to share this uh, brief message about baptism with you this morning. And then we're going to talk a little bit about baptism and what it means and why we celebrate it, why it's so important. Uh, but first, let's, uh, let's hear from the Lord today uh, from Acts chapter 8. We're going to get into that text, a very familiar passage. But I want to ask you a few questions. I want you to, I want you to reset your mind for just a minute. Reset your mind. And I want you to think about some scenarios that have happened in your life. The first one is this, can you, re can you remember, as, as parents, parents first, parents, can you remember your firstborn child their first day of school? Can you remember that day, just for a moment? I want you to think about that day as parents, when you're thinking about your, your firstborn child going off to school for the first time. There was probably a sense of nervousness, excitement, uh, trepidation maybe, I don't know. Uh, I remember specifically in our life, it wasn't their first day of school, but when we left here and went to Iberia, we left in the middle of the school year, and it was a, it was a tough move for me personally as a dad for my kids, and I'll tell you why. We went to the school, smaller community than Pittsfield, um, but the school is about the same size. And so we, we go into the school, and we go and tour it, and we look at everything. And then I remember that first day of school. We made sure, we said, kids, we're taking you to school. We're walking you in the doors. I don't care what your friends think. Mom and dad need this, okay? Uh, and so Alicia and I walked them to school that day. We walked them into class. And I remember coming out of the school, tears falling down my face, Alicia's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know why this is so tough for me. It was brand new. It was, it was exciting. I was, I was thankful that my kids were excited. They didn't have any issues with it. But now kids, I know it's family Sunday, so you guys are in here. Do you remember your first day of school? How exciting that was? No, some of you don't remember it, don't have memories of it. That's okay. How about this? If you've ever had a job, that first day at a new job, do you remember that first day? New opportunity, new adventure, new relationships, new friends. We've just experienced the, the first day of a new year not too long ago. A new chance for change, a new opportunity to start over again. Maybe you've moved into a new home and you know the feelings of, of a new home and a new place to live. Some excitement that's there, a fresh start, a new beginning for a family. Maybe you've even had the, the joy and the experience of, of driving a new-to-you car off the lot. I remember as a teenage boy, my dad, we were not, we were not well off, and, and I turned 16, and he took me to the DMV, and I got my driver's license, and we drove by this car lot, and he stopped. He goes, now I want you to get out, and I want you to pick out any car you want. I'm like, what? He goes, now you've got to get a job so you can pay for it. You know, 
But no, I remember getting my first car, a 1966 Dodge Coronet. It wasn't the sporty kind. It was the sedan. <laughs> Big old boat. Big as our church van. Amen? And uh, I remember I bought it from my grandpa. But I got to drive that out of his car lot, out of his driveway, and just the nice feeling that was. And later on, I remember getting another car, and my dad was with me, and he goes, you know what, you got, you got something to do. I'll just drive it home for you. It'll be okay. I said, no, I want to drive it off the lot. I want to drive that new car off the lot. And, and there's just something about new that is fresh and exciting. It's something that we, that we crave. It's something that we look forward to. But nothing compares to experiencing that first-hand encounter with God. That first encounter that changes our life forever. Amen? A new encounter with God. There's new excitement. There's new beginnings. New life has begun. Today here at PCN is New Life Sunday, if you will. And we get to celebrate new life in Christ. And we're excited for that. You know, the, the lights are on. The heat is on. The water's in the tub. It's, it's warm. Let me just reassure you, it's warm. We're going to be okay. And uh, we're excited for new life today in Christ. I want to share this story from the book of Acts about a couple of men that were open to experiencing new things in their lives. And as they began to say yes to God, God began to do something exciting in their lives. And I want us to take a look at this together. From Acts chapter 8, we're going to begin reading with verse number 26. We're going to be in the New Living Translation this morning. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bibles as you've got them as well. So read with me here, not out loud, but just follow along with me. Verse 26, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over, heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked the man, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, 
but he went on his way rejoicing. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. I want us to see a few things about these two men. Okay? The first thing is this. We see a desire by both of these men to say yes to God. By both of these men to say yes to God. If you look at verse 26 again, it says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south to the desert road. You see, Philip was in a conversation with an angel of the Lord. I don't know a better place that you can be than in a conversation with one of God's angels. That means you are walking so close to, to God and his, the will for, for your life from Him that you get to have conversations with heavenly creatures. That's got to be pretty cool. And Philip is in a place where he is so excited, he's so on fire for God that he's saying, you know what, whatever you want, I'm your man. I'm saying yes to you no matter what it is. He's, the angel says, good, I'm glad you said that. Now I want you to go someplace you've never been. Sometimes that's how God works. He takes us to a place we've never been, and he wonders, he, he, I don't know that he tests us, but he wants us to trust him. And he says, you know what, I'm going to be with you, but I want you to go to someplace you've never been. I want you to go to the desert road. It's a road that's out of your way. It's, it, 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 we use the description desert. When I think of desert, I don't think about Illinois. Um, we have too much snow and, and ice, and it's no way is it a desert. But anyway, I think of, I think of hot. I think of dusty. I think of, of just hard, hard life, hard ground, just not pleasant. And Philip, I can imagine, is on his way somewhere. He's having this conversation with the angel. He says, the Lord says, go to the desert road. And that's all he tells him. Philip says, yes, no matter what. And he goes. You see, his desire was to say yes to God no matter what. And he, and he goes down this road not knowing where he's going, not knowing what the purpose of going down this road was. But he says yes to God, and he goes. Philip has been walking with the Lord for some time at this point in his life. And in his personal time of worship, it's a time for him to say, God, you're speaking to me and I want to obey. And Philip has a desire to say yes to God. You see, when we see this other man's desire to say yes to God, he's at a different place in the journey. The eunuch is a, a man, he's a treasurer of the Ethiopian queen. This is a man of importance. This is a man that has authority. Yet there's a hunger inside of this man. As we read this story, there seems to be a hunger to worship God. And when there's a hunger to worship God, normally that means that you're willing, you're searching, you're able to, to say yes to God, whatever he may say to you. There's a hunger for this eunuch to worship God. Verse 27, the latter part of it says, The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was now returning home. I, I was curious because when I've read this story before, I've thought, you know what? That sounds like he was just going to church on Sunday. He, he, he had a day off. He was going to go down to the local synagogue and go worship with his other believers, and then he was going to go back to work. I found out it's not that way. I want you to see this picture. This is a picture of a map, and maybe you can see it clearly enough on the screen. You can see the green trail. The green down at the bottom is where Ethiopia is. That's where he works. Okay, he's the, he's the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. And then Jerusalem is clear to the north. This wasn't some uh, 
half-hour commute. It was over 1,500 miles to Jerusalem. He had to probably take vacation time to go worship. And he's traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship God because he's searching. He's hungry, but he has a desire to say yes to God, even though he doesn't know what all the answers may be. And he travels all this way to Jerusalem to worship. He's worshiped God. Most likely, he's reviewing the sermon text. <laughs> we find him reading the prophet Isaiah. So he goes to worship, and he's, he's on his way back, and he's pulled over, taking a break. Now, now, bear with me for a minute. If it's you and I going 1,500 miles, and we pull over to take a break, I would probably think, and, and maybe you're different than me, my first inclination when I pull over to take a break from traveling is not to get out my Bible. I'm probably looking for a restroom, a place to eat, maybe a vending machine, somewhere to get a snack. This man is so hungry for the things of God that he pulls over and he pulls out the scroll and starts reading from the prophet Isaiah. How cool is that? He has a desire to say yes to God. He has a desire to know more. You see, both of these men have a desire to say yes to God. The next thing we see about both of these men, they have a common desire to grow in their walk with God. They have a common desire to grow in their walk with God. You see, Philip is being obedient to God's voice to go down a road that he doesn't know. And he doesn't even know what the plan is, but he trusts God in it. He's ready to continue his growth if and when the situation arises. Take a look at verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip is going down this road. It's a deserted desert road. And all of a sudden, he comes along and he sees this carriage on the side of the road. And the Holy Spirit prompts him. Again, Philip's walking so close with God that the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, Philip's able to recognize it, say yes, and go. He doesn't know what's about. he's about to approach. He doesn't know what's going on in the carriage. He doesn't know if there's a, a tire out or a horse down or what's going on. But the Holy Spirit prompts him, go over to that carriage. I've got something for you. As he does, he meets the eunuch. He talks to him. He says, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch says, how can I unless somebody tells me? And then we pick it up in verse 31. And the eunuch urges Philip. He says, Philip, I don't even know you, but will you get in the carriage with me? and help me. He urges him to come in and sit down with him. You see, Philip's journey with the Lord at this place is to help others grow in their walk with the Lord. Philip's at a different place than the eunuch is, but they're both willing to grow in their walk. Philip's at a place where he's saying yes to God. God's saying, I need you to help somebody. Philip says yes. He helps him out. You see, the eunuch was searching he had a desire to grow as well. And on this journey back home, he's taking a break, pulls out his scripture, he starts reading, he starts reviewing what he's heard, and he doesn't quite understand it. He doesn't quite get it, and he's looking around, and there's, he's on this desert road. And all of a sudden, there's a man walking up to his carriage and asks him if he understands what he's reading. Wow. You think God's a God of perfect timing? This is a perfect example of it. 
Philip said yes to God. He wanted to grow, and he is in a position when he says yes that God's able to use him. The eunuch is desiring to say yes to God, and he's worshiping God, and he's in a place to grow, but he needs some help, and all of a sudden, God provides some help. Amen. God is an on-time God. Amen? He's got a desire to grow, and he's reading in the Scriptures. And he says, I can't understand this unless somebody tells me. And Philip helps him. I, I can't help but ask this question as a sidebar, though, for, for you and for me today. How often do we admit in our own personal life that we may need help from God from somebody else? How often are we willing to say, you know what, God, I'm kind of lost right now. And I need some help. And I don't feel like I'm hearing your voice clearly, but I'm really not willing to let anybody else speak into my life. You know, I can probably do this on my own. I don't, I don't really need some help. And, and we, get kinda, we get kind of prideful, but we won't use the term prideful because the Bible says pride comes before the fall, and so we don't want to fall. But really, that's what it is. We allow pride to seep into our life and say, you know what, I got this. I'm not lost. I can figure this out on my own. I'm probably president of the fan club. I don't want anybody else prying into my life, into my, into my issues, into my, into my thinking, the things that I don't even know. Why would I want somebody to come and know that I'm not as good as they think I am? And yet this man says, you know what? I don't get it. I need help. I need to grow. And for me to grow and take the next step, I need some help. Wow. And he gets the help. The eunuch engages Philip and invites him in and, and invites him to help him learn what he's reading and understand it. You see, we cannot learn unless we're willing to humble ourselves to be open to the teaching. Let me say that again. We cannot learn anything unless we are willing to humble ourselves to accept and hear the teaching. The eunuch was ready. He was humbling himself. So we see two men. Both have a desire to say yes to God. Both have the same desire to grow in their walk with God. And now we see growth turn into obedience. You see, Philip explains the passage from Isaiah to the eunuch. And then he uses the Scripture to start to tell the story of Jesus. From verses 35 to 36, we, we read those words that he uses this verse. He starts in the, in the prophet Isaiah and begins to tell the story of Jesus. Now, you've got to remember where we're at in the story of Jesus. We're in Acts now. So the, Jesus has, has died. He's been resurrected. He is now gone. He's back in heaven. Philip, the other apostles, the disciples, they're all trying to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Philip knows the scriptures from Isaiah, and he starts to begin to retell the story of Jesus and why Jesus came. It's not in our, it's not in our text, but I can imagine, imagine this with me, if you will, that we read that part of the scripture. He started with this scripture and begins to tell the story of Jesus. Now, if you're watching this on TV unfold in a dramatic form, you're probably going to get a fade to black with the words to be continued. 
because we don't know what's being said. We don't know what's going on. All we know is that Philip is telling the story of Jesus to this man. And throughout the explanation and description, he's getting to the point where Jesus is on earth and Jesus goes down to the Jordan River and the baton is passed from John the Baptist to Jesus as Jesus is baptized. And we, and we read the story, and you're probably very familiar with it, when Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water, heavens open up, a dove descends on him, and the voice of God is heard. I can just imagine this new... This new believer, the eunuch, is in the carriage. He's probably not sitting down anymore. He's probably on the edge of his seat. He's probably just ready to just burst in excitement because of what's happening. Jesus, the man who's going to die for my sins, is being baptized. And they go through this entire story of Jesus and what he's done. And now we pick up in verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? I want to pause right there. How many of you have your Bibles open right now? How many of you have verse 37 in your Bible? A couple of you? Most Bibles don't have it. How many of you don't have verse 37? Yeah, are you wondering why? I am too after you hear what verse 37 says. Here's what verse 37 says. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why they removed that, I don't get it. But it's there. He says, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized now? Philip says, you bet. Only one condition. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and that he saved you from your sin? That's what it means to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, that he forgives you of your sins. I use my own words, but that's the same thing, okay? Philip says, yes, I do, with all of my heart. Wow. So their common desire to say yes to God leads them to a common desire to grow in their walk with God. And now we see their, their growth in God lead them to a place where they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to obey what God wants me to do. And in the midst of this story, the eunuch looks up and says, Hey, buddy, there's a pond. Can we go get baptized right now? Yeah, we can do it right now. Let's do it. <laughs> so, as you see on the screen, the eunuch says, You know what? Why not now? Why wait any longer? Transformation and growth turning into obedience. That's what makes being new in Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what today is all about. It's us searching out, willing to say yes to God. And then as we say yes to God, we begin to grow in our walk with Him. And then all of a sudden, He tells us to do something, and we just obey. It's a natural outflow. It's called transformation. It's called new life. And we symbolize that in the church by being baptized. So today is Baptism Sunday. We have some people today that have been searching and they have a desire to say yes to God in their life. They've been walking with God and their hunger to grow in that walk has brought them to a place where they're asking questions about taking the next step with Him. That next step for them today is obeying the call to be baptized. 
So this opens some questions up for us today. And if you have your outlines and you're wondering about those questions, I've put them there in your outline for you. Follow along real quick and we'll go through these. What is the meaning of baptism? The first thing is this. It illustrates Christ's burial and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the Scripture said, He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. Colossians 2.12, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life, because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Baptism gives the new believer of an illustration of what Christ has done for them. The old life, they go down a sinner and they're coming up representing the new life in Christ. Praise the Lord. Number two, it illustrates my life as a Christian. It illustrates my new life as a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5.17 This means that anyone who belongs in Christ has become a new person. The old is gone a new life has begun. When we encounter the living God through Jesus Christ, it changes who we are. The old life is crucified with our sins, and Jesus has made all things new, and we begin this life as a new person, a Christian. So that leads us to the next set of questions. Why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Number one, to follow the example set by Christ Himself. Mark 1.9 says, One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized Him in the Jordan River. Baptism was so important to Jesus that even He, the God in the flesh, participated in baptism. We should follow His example. Amen? If it's good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for us. Amen? Number two, because Jesus commanded it. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We've been talking about this Scripture for, for over a year now. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Baptism does not end your journey. In fact, it is just one step in our faith journey. We accept the gift of salvation. It says then we need to be baptized and learn all of the commands that Jesus has for us. And that's the next step in the journey for these folks here this morning. To be baptized. It does not mean that these people are perfect. Okay, We need to be very clear about that. This is not the end. We're not going to baptize them and then they're going to go to heaven. That's not how this works. This is just them showing their obedience to what God is doing in their life right now. Right now. We don't require people to be perfect to be baptized. That's not what it's about. It's a desire to have Christ in their life that they want to tell others about what He's done. It's the next step in their faith journey. Number three, it demonstrates that I am a Christian. A little bit later in the book of Acts, Acts 18.8, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, 
and were baptized. The entire family. Everybody. They learned about it. They wanted it for themselves. And they were all baptized. We rejoice together today. As these here with us today demonstrate that something is different in their life. Extraordinary. That they, something has happened to them. And you know what? We have a great example of a family heritage being passed down today. And you're going to hear about it in just a minute. I'm so excited because this is what it's about, folks. If you have somebody in your family that doesn't know the Lord yet, start praying for them. The Bible intends for all the family to come to know the Lord. Wow. Wow. It demonstrates that I'm a Christian. Number four, it gives the church an opportunity to celebrate what God has done in your life. Psalm 47.1 says this, Come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. That's why in this church, when they come out of that water, this better not be quiet. This is The only way to be reverent when they come out of the water is for you to be loud. The Bible says so. It's not my command. Look at it. Come, everyone, clap your hands. That's not periods. Those aren't commas. Those are exclamation points. Clap your hands. Shout to God with praise. Why? Because of the heaven. Get excited. It's new life. This is better than any touchdown. This is better than any game-winning shot. This is life or death. But it's not just for them. It's for all of us. We get to celebrate with them. Whew. Man, that's good preaching. As a community of believers that's called to connect and engage with real people for real relationships and real encounters with God, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate when those real encounters happen. For a moment, I just want to talk to our participants today. You all can listen in because you might need to hear this as well. But your testimony today can change somebody else's life. We read in Scripture about this eunuch. Commentators tell us that he went back home and his entire family was changed. Wow. The eunuch's entire family was changed. Your testimony today can change somebody else's life. And here's the next thing that I want to tell you this morning. Your life will tell the story of Jesus. Your life and your testimony will tell the story of Jesus to others. Don't be afraid to share what Jesus has done to you and for you. You have new life in Jesus Christ. And we celebrate with you today. As we celebrate with these folks today and their personal journeys they are on, we must remember that it's not our place to judge them. It's not our place to, to condemn them. It's not our place to question if this is real or not. That's not our place. 
Just because they're saying yes to God and taking this next step doesn't make them perfect Christians. 1 Samuel 16.7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is working in these lives today. And we do a disservice if we try to play God for them. We need to celebrate with them because God knows what's happening on the inside. And they're trying to show us on the outside. Amen? Amen. God is working in these lives. I want to give a few instructions and then I'm going to ask our our candidates for baptism to